So your patient has a gluten intolerance or insensitivity issue. Well, the standard advice would be avoid gluten. Makes sense. But if you're at a restaurant or if you're getting food, how do you know that it's in fact gluten-free? Well, my guest today is going to help us understand ways that we can get around that issue and in fact test for it, which is a very novel concept. This is ReachMD. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz. I'm joined by Carol Borsoy. She's Vice President of Marketing at Six Sensor Labs. Welcome to you, Carol. Thank you. So we're here to talk about this increasing problem in which what people think they're getting is not what they're getting. <laughs> when people yeah, exactly. are looking to avoid certain foods, whether it be from insensitivities, intolerances, or just flat-out allergies, they might be getting more than they anticipated when they're going out. And Six Sensor Labs has developed a technology for being able to sense that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we've built a portable sensor that allows you to test your food. In this case, for gluten, we're working on peanut and dairy as well. But you take a small sample of food, you put it in a one-time-use capsule, crack the lid on that, and that exposes it to an extraction solution, which is going to pull out the protein, and then we're going to bring that into an antibody and see if we can detect the level of gluten. Now, that sounds all sort of scientific, but from a consumer perspective, we've made it really easy. You put that capsule on a device, and then you're going to get a binary output of either it's got gluten in it, and we'll give you a sad face, and if it's under 20 parts per million, we'll give you a smiley face. So the way that we look at it is there's not that extra layer of data out there right now for consumers. They go out to eat. And in our own restaurant research alone, we found that about 20% of the time there is actually gluten in food that has been ordered as gluten-free. And that's a little unsettling for people. I mean, people say to us all the time, hey, I went out to eat and I just I came home and, wow, I was on the couch for five hours not being able to move or other things that we shouldn't necessarily have to discuss. But what we have done is made that super easy for someone to go out and test and just see, let me just have a little, little extra layer of data before I actually mm. decide to eat. Right. Well, you aptly said uh, there are details that one shouldn't discuss, but the beauty is that we're on a medical channel, so we can discuss <laughs> it at length. And so I want to get into that a little bit because you're dealing with a population of people who they, they deal with a very big range of symptoms. But Take us through a little bit in terms of anecdotally or just experientially some of your consumer base. When they meet that problem in which they encounter something that they're intolerant to, let's say gluten in this case, they thought they were going gluten-free. They go out and they get something either from the market or they go to the restaurant, and turns out they were wrong. It yeah. has way beyond that threshold that your test senses is actually beyond what you should want or should, what you should get. What kind of symptoms are they coming back with? What what you said? Some people are laid up on their couch and they have no idea what happened. Is that what's well, I mean, I think if, if they have that, if they that that sensitivity has been diagnosed and they're aware of it, they'll know. But what we've heard is the most common things are vomiting, diarrhea, or constipation—the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Stomach upset, fatigue, and then in some extreme cases, we've heard. Just, I think the one that stands out to me was a man who emailed us and he's like, I need this for my wife. Every time she gets exposed in, the, in gluten, she's suicidal and I have to be on suicide watch for six weeks. And I just like, oh my gosh, we have to, you know, we have to get this in your hands as soon as possible. So, you know, we hear these extreme symptoms, you know, some people are like that. Other people are like, oh, I just have a headache for three, two or three days. And from, you know, from the data out there on, on patients who have this, there's about 200 different symptoms that people can have. And again, you know, we hear the extremes, but we, the most common generally tend to be those ones involving the stomach or digestive tract in some form. <laughs> right. And you arrived, your company arrived at a 20 
parts per million threshold. How did you arrive at that threshold? Yeah, so for gluten, there is a federal standard for what constitutes quote-unquote gluten-free, and that is 20 parts per million. And that is based off of some clinical research that some dispute. And from the patient side, they often dispute what that looks like. And But the reality is we just finished some research. About 70% of people that, that we've talked to have no idea what level they actually react to. But they know from testing, you know, eating packaged goods that are, are certified gluten-free that have to meet that standard that they're, that they're mo- most likely more sensitive. Right. And why gluten? Why did Six Sensor Labs move in on gluten particularly? Yeah. So one, there is a standard that we were able to adhere to and at least do that. There is not a standard like that for peanut or for milk. And those are the next two things we're looking at. And part of the reason that we're sort of, you know, going through still the process is what, what, what should that level of detection be? And, you know, arguably, like even in countries like the, in the EU, where there's a little bit more knowledge around these different things, they're not as, there's not even a standard there. So for example, in Australia, New Zealand, for gluten, the level has to be below 10 parts per million or below five. So it's really super precise. We don't have those for other things. So that was the first one. The second is that the gluten-free market is growing. And then most obviously, our two co-founders both have to avoid gluten. One has an extreme gluten sensitivity and the other has ulcerative colitis. So that was the one thing that they both you know, have to avoid. So that was just a natural place for, you know, for all of those reasons. I see. And you mentioned peanut. I mean, is part of the reason why there isn't a known threshold yet, or it's not really discussed, is because for many people, when you mention peanut allergy, the threshold is it's either there or it's not. And if you, if it's there, you're in deep, deep trouble. I mean, that's exactly it. And I think, you know, we were looking for clinical data. We've been in touch with different parts of, for example, the NIH to see what data they've got. You know, we've reached out to say, hey, to the, you know, what level should there there be advocacy around in terms of the legislation? And I think everybody kind of defaults to zero is what we want. Right. So that's part of where some of those issues are coming from. Hmm. So do you envision being able to move into those areas? Because obviously, we we hear gluten intolerance or gluten sensitivity. It's increasingly important. It's an increasingly large market, both for you and, and the patients on our end. We see increasing number of patients being diagnosed with gluten insensitivity. But the problems are mainly, for the most part, except for these outliers, they're mainly digestive issues. Moving in on something like peanut allergy, for instance, where the need is your your patient or the patients that are coming in with this issue. Not only are they aware, for the most part, but they're paranoid of it. And, exactly. it. and it affects every decision they make in terms of their eating and where they go and what they do and all the questions they ask. But they don't really have a test. All they have is their EpiPen. <laughs> um, right, so right. do you see an opportunity there to be able to, to use this technology, which we'll talk about, in those emerging areas or those areas where, where people are in dire need of some sort of diagnostic test immediately. Yeah, I, for us, the idea is like, again, it's this extra layer of data that doesn't exist now. So the one thing with peanut is there's multiple proteins within peanut itself that people may be reacting to. And so as we're working through our chemistry, we have to make a determination of which of those proteins we're actually going to mm-hmm. surface. So one of the big things, and we spoke about this a little earlier, is this idea of we want to be as transparent as possible. So we would let people know up front, like, here's what proteins we're testing for within peanut. Here's, if you have other proteins that we're not testing for, you need to know that. But the way that we look at it and the way that we even look at it with gluten is test. And if it comes up as having any, you probably want to avoid it. And if it comes up with that smile, maybe you still proceed with some level of caution, but at least they have more data than they have now. And that's sort of our attitude about it. Like it's just an extra layer of data. And until we can get our chemistry and our science even stronger and better, which it will obviously happen over the years, that's what we want to be able to provide to people. 
That's a great clarification. Well, if you're just tuning in, this is ReachMD. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz, and I'm joined by Carol Borsoy. She is Vice President of Marketing over at Six Sensor Labs, uh, based in New York, I believe. No, San Francisco, actually. Oh, great, even better. Based yeah. in San Francisco, where we are not currently, but I'm <laughs> quite jealous <laughs> that you get the chance to call that home. So let's move in on the test itself. Our, our listeners will guide them through what, what you have, but you know, for our viewers, it'll be kind of interesting to, to talk about the test and, and get a sense of how it does what it does. Right. So again, it's an antibody-based detection. We are actually looking for the proteins in whatever food sample it is. So we have a one-time use capsule, and I just have to clarify that. It is not something that can be cleaned out. We actually did some usability testing where we had people clean things out, and we're like, can we get it clean enough so if there was any cross-contamination that we can avoid it in the future? Not possible. And the reality is if most people are using it in a restaurant or at our friend's house, they're not going to have lab-based equipment to clean something to the level it would need to be cleaned. So it's a one-time use capsule. It's fairly small, about the length of a finger. And there's a little end to it that has a series of teeth. I'll give you a little peek at that. Oh, nice. um, and what that actually does is that's one of the things that will help grind the food. So if anyone out there is familiar with different lab-based tests for food, you know that you have to emulsify a sample. You kind of have to make it really homogenous, and then you want to be able to take a precise amount. Right. So a lot of our technology is not just in the chemistry itself, but in the sample prep and the ability to grind the food and get it ready to go into the chemistry, and then working on both liquids and solids, as well as being able to serve for a wide range of, in terms of like, people maybe put a drop in, or maybe they put a ton of food in. So we needed to be able to work through all of those scenarios. Right. So as I look into this and I see within the capsule a number of prongs, those are meant to help grind? Is that exactly, the, the exactly. And if you look at the lid, the lid also has some grinding mechanisms on it as well. So as you twist it, it actually is going to grind the food down. So in the case of a liquid, it's not as important, but definitely when we've tested like crackers or things like that, it goes all the way down. Interesting. And how long would the, uh, does that take well, after uh, grinding, emulsifying the food? and running it through the test, uh, what is the typical time? The t- the t- so the test will take about two minutes, and really what happens if there's a lot of gluten in this case or a lot of whatever the substance is, the test will be faster. But if it's if we're really looking for the minute quality, it'll take about two minutes, and then after that, it'll give you that output. So all you would do is you're going to twist that lid on, you're going to put it in the, in the sensor itself. So there's an optical sensor inside of this permanent piece that someone would buy and keep, and that actually can detect the results of the, of the test. So... Yeah, and then that the sensor will then, again, provide that binary output. It's going to give you a sad face if we detect that substance at the level of detection that we've, that we've described, or it'll give you a, a smiley face if not. So we made it really simple, and what's been great is to bring that out in front of consumers. It is immediately understandable, and people are like, man, if I saw that smiley face, I'd still kind of know that I need to wait a second and say, okay, do I still feel suspicious? But if they see that frown face, it's like, let me call the waiter back over, let me ask the server if they can bring, make me something else, or if <laughs> this often happens, People often say, oh, you know, I, I want to do this at my in-law's house or, you know, at the church potluck or something. Maybe I just won't eat that one particular thing. Yeah, exactly. There's a little bit more politics played there. Yeah, exactly. So with each one-time capsule use, are people, you know, your consumer base, are they getting packages of a massive number of capsules? Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, you would think people are going to use, like, 700 of these or something. But the reality is we're going to sell them in refill packs of 12. And what we're, what we talk, when most people are like once or twice a week, you know, that they would want to test. It's only those times when people are like, man, I go to this restaurant all the time, but there's a new chef here or there's new staff that I've never met before. Or they're, again, in a place where they don't, you know, they've just never been there or they place like a wedding or someplace where they have no choice over what's being served to them. <laughs> and 
Is cost an issue as far as being able to utilize this, or is there any way in which they can defray some of the costs? Obviously, it's not at the point yet of being able to have this physician prescribed. Correct. But uh, do you see that sort of on the horizon? Yeah, so right now we're selling direct to consumers through our website, and people are telling us, we haven't gone through and verified this, that they're getting reimbursed through their FSAs. But what we're hearing from doctors is that many of them want to distribute it, particularly, and then in the case of dietitians, a lot of dietitians want to have it with patients who are newly diagnosed so that they can help them sort of navigate the waters, but also for a little bit of a chance to understand compliance. So the other key aspect of this that we haven't talked about is it ties into an app so people can report on where they were and share the data. And so dietitians in particular are like, oh, there's sort of a backdoor to understand where people are actually dining out. So you can kind of do a double check and say, gosh, you've been eating a lot of, I don't know, junk food lately. You're going out and eating a lot of, you're going to all dessert places and testing. Maybe we should talk about that. So there's also that that feedback loop too. I see. And is this, for clarification, is this a particular app or is this, is this the, the general type of app that people use to track their calorie intake? No, this will be an app that ties to the device. So you would actually be able to take every test that you have and tie it to a particular location. So for example, if you're at a restaurant and you did a test, you can say, I, you know, I, I checked the chicken milanese and it was fine or it was bad. And then other people would be able to see that too. So over time, we can build a repository of data that people can, can review before they go out. Interesting. So again, it's all about adding that data for people to be able to review and to be able to understand right. what they think might be good. That or sounds not. like a, a Yelp for the molecular age. It, yes. I think that's a <laughs> wonderful way to think about it. <laughs> Science-based proof. <laughs> Science-based proof. Well, Carol, anything else you want to add? Uh, we covered a lot of ground, obviously. It's a really interesting test, I have to say. And it's, it seems to be filling, it will fill a need for a number of people, especially as you expand into some of the other allergy areas that we talked about. Anything that you want to close with before we go? I just, you know, the thing for me that's so powerful is we talk to people every day and we talk to people who really feel like they need this and it just gives a voice to people. And in particular, what I love is when kids come to us and they say, you know what, I want to have this because other people, you know, they don't have a voice for themselves. So I think about this is just a little piece of science in everyone's pocket that they can, you know, go out there and feel a little bit better and a little bit more at ease. Yeah, it's like that uh, that child's chemistry lab you get to put in your in your pocket. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, with that, I very much want to thank Carol Borsoy from Six Sensor Labs. We've been talking about new testing technologies for people with gluten intolerance, uh, with horizons and potential for other intolerances down the road. Again, Carol, thanks for your time. Thank you. <laughs> for access to this and other interviews on ReachMD, make sure to come over to ReachMD.com. We'll be there for you, and we're looking forward to seeing you. Thanks again.